Hello and welcome back to the latest Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Today we talk to businesswoman Vonnie McDermott, Managing Director of Advertising Agency Connolly Partners, who talks about how the ads industry has changed and how a more human-centric approach merging traditional advertising with digital technology is the way forward. She also talks about her colourful career as an entrepreneur. Vonnie, you're very welcome. Um, t- tell us about your career and what led you to head up a, 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 a advertising business in Ireland. Um, you know, Connolly Partners, I understand, is on both sides of the Atlantic and you guys are on top of not only traditional advertising, but digital advertising trends. So, But all roads lead to Rome. So what, what, what road led you to, to, to where you are today? Okay, firstly, John, thank you very much for having me. Secondly, how much time do we have? Because I have a quite a, a windy road to getting where I got to. Like I often say to people, there's the direct flight and there's the interrail version. And I, I certainly took the interrail version, oh. um, getting to where I got to today. Um, but I started, um, I suppose, after school once I, my first course was actually looking at advertising. It was business and French. Um, and I spent a year working in France after that. I didn't want to go to university. I decided I wanted to go out and travel and see the world a bit. And when I was there, um, one of my very good friends was very interested in tourism and in Ireland. And we often wondered why Ireland was always been advertised as a, we used to think quite a twee advertising for Ireland and think, God, it should be much better. And on one of our holidays, we came back. She got us uh, a meeting with Charles Hoy at the time. And we proceeded to tell him all our great ideas about why, what he should be doing with no idea of really anything about insights, advertising, marketing, budgets, anything like that. But that was then the start of me kind of getting interested in, in, in all of this advertising and why, how things could be presented in a certain way and how things be more engaging and different audiences and that. I went on then to do a degree with European business, French and German, spent a few years in France, as I said. Um, and then I came back and my first job out of college was in an ad agency. And I absolutely loved it. I worked in an agency in Sandy Mount. I then had a few years um, down in Cork and I worked with the Examiner newspaper, the Evening Echo. And I was there for that transition from the Examiner to the Irish Examiner, which again, the whole part of that with the positioning, the launch, the advertising, I really enjoy that. And from there, I came back up, staying in the vein of media and I went and worked in RTE. And again, part of RTE, the division I was in was... was um, the RT Guide, Airtel and RT.ie. And it was the very start of really kind of the websites and SEO and putting money behind them, um, which was, again, a very interesting time. Um, and I was very much involved in the brand within RTE, had the brand hierarchy of RTE overall and the different divisions. So every job I've had kind of involved working a lot with agencies, either been in an agency or working client side dealing with agencies. Um, and then after all of that, I decided to go out on my own and a totally different career change. And I went into beauty and I opened the first hand of foot spa in Ireland. And part of something I always did when I was traveling, especially my sister, who has her own business as well. She's brilliant. Uh, we'd always look and say, you're sitting down in a cafe or on a beach and go, what do you see here that you'd love to see in Ireland? Or what do you have, we have in Ireland that would really work here? And that was the thing at the time, because over, um, I think it was maybe 18 years ago, that's right, because my, my daughter was um, only just born. And we thought, why is there not a hand and foot about with those really big chairs in Ireland? And that was what I did for nearly 10 years, brought that into Ireland. It was fantastic. I mean, it got by the time I got out of there, it had become, you know, nearly every street in Dublin had two or three places. So the market had totally changed. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And part of the height of what we were doing, I remember Harvey Nicks came to me and they were looking to see if I could open a Harvey Nicks 
uh, sorry, a pinky in Harvey Nicks. I remember thinking, you know what, I've done something right from a branding, from a positioning or that association. I was delighted with myself. But anyway, I didn't do it financially. It wouldn't have made sense. It made great sense to my ego, though. Delighted. <laughs> so um, after that, after I closed the salon, which probably took a year out of out and I did a lot of my tennis and I did a lot of my walking. I thought, oh, I'd love to be retired which I didn't, I got very bored. And I decided I'd love to get back into advertising, but I'd been out for so long that the world had moved on so much, especially from the digital front and the mm. social side of things. Um, I came to an agency and I said, can I even just sit in the office and by osmosis sit and listen to what's going on? And I naively thought, in five or six weeks, I'll be caught up, which as you know yourself, you never catch up in five or six weeks. <laughs> um, but they gave me a role, not in client side, but in pitching new business. And I worked on my first tenders and, you know, beginner's luck. I thought, this is easy. You just do a tender and you win and you move on to the next one. Um, so I worked with an agency for it was nearly two or three years. And then Conley Partners brought over the agency. And my role just grew and grew. And I took on more and more. And here I am now as MD. That's the thing. Because a lot of people think of the world of advertising as, you know, they, they see the TV and they see Mad Men or stuff like that. And different aspects of it that seem very glamorous. And, you know, but but looking at it from the other side of when you're in media and you see how it really works, it's all about detail. And with the advent of digital, it's even more detailed because you're really looking into really complicated systems and ways of measuring things it's all about the data and uh i i would i'd i'd i'd, I'd, I'd wager that you know our our conceptions of of what what advertising is will be very different in 20 30 years we'll be thinking more like software than you know you know the glam fab glam uh, image that was created in the media uh, t- tell us about um that osmosis because also you, you mentioned there you kind of came back into advertising after a bit years being out doing your own business and digital is as i say everyone says digital everyone nods very sagely when they hear the words digital and data and ai and all these different things but did you find it a hard uh, mountain to climb or, you know, in terms of the work that Connolly Partners currently does as kind of a, a transatlantic agency that uh, it all, it, you know, it, it makes sense? Yeah, I think there's a few things. Um, one, I think ultimately um, Connolly Partners, our position in the market, which I really like, is defiantly human. And that really is, it's a philosophy, it's a process, which is like really human centric. And at the end of the day, people do business with people. Advertising is for people. It's for humans. So I think it's no matter how much platforms change and they evolve, at the end of the day, we're still doing the same job. We are trying as for our clients to find a way that we can connect and engage and get you to whether it's to change behavior in whatever way. Is it to buy more of something? Is it to use more of something? Is it to consider something you haven't considered before? That's our job. And that hasn't changed. The platforms have changed, but that hasn't changed. That mm. is still is our core objective. I think what... Um, is really difficult. I think there's a number of challenges for advertising agencies at the moment. And and it is relevant to your question in that 90% of what is spent in advertising is wasted because it's neither noticed nor remembered. And that's a massive challenge for advertising agencies because I would see our job is to work with a marketing person in whatever company. They've got the message they need to get out there. And our job is to take that message, keep it very simple, make sure that it, it resonates, engages with the core audience, that we need to understand that audience. That's one of our biggest jobs. And the way Conley Partners approach that, which is slightly different to other agencies, again, been very much true to our roots, have been defiantly human, is we have anthropologists working full-time in the agency. And their job is to study human behavior. How are people behaving in that category? 
category and for us to really understand. And then again, by understanding, we can ensure that our message is relevant to that person. So like to give you an example of something we would when we're pitching for business, one particular piece of business we're pitching involved transport. And we had an anthropologist from Maynooth University that we use um, quite regularly. And she would have spent a number of days on public transport, traveling, buying the leap card, trying to buy the leap card, just working everything out. And then she came back to us with different modes of behavior that led us to an insight that was relevant then, which leads on to a lovely creative idea. And that's where the magic happens because that idea has to be something that is simple, that should result in a smile from the person, but also be memorable. You know, so I think that's one thing that is, so there's so much advertising out there that's not working. So that's a big challenge. The other one is the fact that people, I think the stat is something along, you might be able to correct me now on this, but it's between people get between 6,000 and 10,000 messages a day. So how can you possibly, how are you going to stand out with all those messages? And then the third one is, and this is always quite controversial, people say, how do they measure the attention span? But our attention span has probably changed. And it mightn't be, you know, some people argue, no, how can you actually measure an attention span? But maybe it's the attention people give to something. And our lives have got so crazy. Like, you know, I sometimes feel in my head, I don't have space for anything more. I actually don't have any space. And if I don't empty out some of it, you know, so I hear things. I'm at home permanently and the kids will say, I told you. I'm going, you know what? You did. But that was four days away. It was not relevant. And now it's suddenly front of mind. So I think the world has changed so much. And I think that you're right. Digital, there's a huge amount of platforms. But there is a lot that has really evolved. And that's where we've got partners. Zoo Digital are part of Conley Partners. And this was just to, for your listeners to bring it back a bit. So Conley Partners is, so it's a full service creative agency, end-to-end solutions for any, any communications. And we have 45 people in the Dublin office. So Zoo Digital, I think we're coming up to the first anniversary in the next week or two. Um, and they bring huge expertise in everything digital. So that is from websites, from dev to UX, UI. And that's where that's really relevant, understanding human behavior and understanding their customer journey when they're on a digital platform. And that's really relevant. And then you've got our side of the business, which again is very a deep understanding of anthropology, of insights, of human-centric, creative and we have then an office in Boston where there's over 100 people. And then we've got an office in Vancouver. So you've got these offices that are always looking to work together. And when I, you know, go to pitching business, I'd often say, so you've got a core team here in the Dublin office that are very experienced. And then you've got a flexi team outside of that. And that flexi team can be anybody that works in CP, whether it's in, you know, Boston or Vancouver. And then we would use flexi. So we would, if we needed a specialist in something, we would just bring them in for that one thing, so one piece of work, whatever project that may be. And again, all of this is trying to be efficient for clients that they're not paying for, you know, people to be on their account when they're not needed. So it's just a way of being, it's like I often describe it to people like Lego. We'll build a Lego, whatever you need, we'll pull that in. But all of that really is, um, I suppose, it's kind of the unique offering of of Conley Partners. Because that's the thing, uh, you mentioned there, like the um, ideation for, for people, like, and it's gotten a lot more complicated. Like you go back 20, 30 years ago, it was like, newspapers radio tv pretty much that's media as you knew it and now you've got people going around with this shimmering light box in their pocket called a smartphone and it's basically overwhelmed with messages and you're trying to reach those people and they could jump between different social media platforms they could be a different kind of a tribe like in 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 20 30 years ago it'd be easier to hit a, a broad bunch of people with the same messaging because they'll all be listening to the same radio at the same time or same TV shows. And now your average uh, millennial 
probably goes to YouTube for their TV rather than, you know, going to linear TV. Um, and then again, you've got these ideas of people's preconceptions of what advertising is. And it's like, again, you can go back to the idea of Mad Men and a bunch of guys sitting in an office chugging whiskey and going, oh, I've got a great slogan for, for a billboard and go across Middle Street of America. And, you know, they're suddenly very successful and therefore that's great. But the reality is that it's in the devil is in the detail and the devil is in the data and it's also in also when you look at platforms like TikTok for example um, what works on TikTok is people love people and they warm to personalities on that and and, and that that's 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 a whole medium in its own right um, so has the job of advertising gotten harder as as a result of all you know you could say it's a wider uh, more varied uh, more intricate pattern or tapestry you've got to kind of engage with but at the same time, as you say, terms like defiantly human, you're dealing with humans who, who will, will now listen to what they want, they'll find what they want, they will see what they want. That creates its own set of problems. Yeah, that's really interesting, all those points you've made, because there's two things that there, you, you, we still, there's always going to be a place in the market for the traditional media. So the TV and the outdoor and that, because that's for like a broader awareness hmm. of a brand. And we use a term in advertising called brand salience. And basically what that is, is, what is, what is the likelihood of someone remembering your brand when they're just about to make a decision? And there's different categories would have different. So, for example, insurance. They reckon that people research 2.3 brands before they make a decision on their insurance company. So, for us, when we work with 123, it's really important that when people go to renew their car insurance, 123 is top of mind. So, it would be no different when someone's going in the supermarket and they need to buy, you know, a tea. Is it going to be, which brand are they going to go for? And that's the job is to make sure that your brand is front of mind or certainly within the consideration set for people. But I think that you're right with tradition, with the digital platforms, there is, I suppose so much targeting is done and I think there's social listening and I think we get fed, you know, there's all these different algorithms that ensure that you've been fed what is relevant to you, what you've searched. And I, I, I think that it's a much bigger, I suppose, discussion to have, but I think that there's been so much targeted at people that it is very hard for them to actually decide from which is actually going to be relevant to them. Yeah. Because it's all coming through. And that's the thing. I mean, when it comes to your experts and how they work, and, you know, you mentioned they're anthropologists, and again, you know, people, people who might have gone to work in the advertising industry a few years ago have thought, hey, I'm, I'm a great ideas person. Uh, I've, I've, I'm a great, I, 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 I can find ideas on the fly. You're, you're talking about uh, one idea might work for one tribe, it might not work for another. Uh, you've you got everything broken down into different silos because of digital. How do you how do you keep that creativity? How do you in terms of how you guys work? How do you you know you can't bottle creativity. You have to let it fly like a bird out of your hands. But how do you you know make sure that it flourishes, but also can be captured and actioned? Yeah, actually, I'm just thinking. I never went back to your question about Mad Men and about having the bar and the office and the tray. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Yeah. In our Boston office, which is amazing, it's in um, um, Walton Street. They have a bar in the centre of the office. You actually walk in, and there's this bar, like the Cheers bar, and all the desks are. It's like a wide open plan, and people often sit up and they, you know, whether they're having just a, a soft drink or they can have a glass of wine or a beer, and that's where they sit. And the idea being, again. People do business with people, come in, have a drink at the bar. It doesn't feel as formal as a boardroom. We haven't got that in Dublin yet, but we will at some day. Oh, I'll, I'll, um, I'll be there. <laughs> you'll be there. I'd say, I, I love that idea because, as you say, like we're having a chat here. This is where ideas spark. This yes. is where 
you are chatting with me, you will say something that will spark me to think of something. You might even realize it's a challenge and I'm thinking of a solution for it or, you know, like that. I think with our creatives, um, it all starts on, number one, it's understanding human behavior, understanding that sector. Number two, it's about a very strong insight. And we have a really strong strategic department here in Dublin. They liaise really well with Boston. And what I love about that is we do an insights and a trends research that's ongoing and we kind of bring it out um, each quarter and share it with our clients and share it on social. Um, and what's really interesting, you've got that global and diverseness of thinking because it can be a, the challenges most probably between humans are no different where you live. It's just a different scale or it's a different maybe presents a slightly different, but it's going to be human behavior that is a challenge that we need to adapt. So the guys would work together a huge amount, which is great. Um, I think that when you have a creative team and they get a very strong brief and the insight is strong, it's backed up, then that gives them a great platform to solve something. So I think that we would have, again, the creative departments would work very closely together between Dublin, Boston and, and Vancouver. Um, and I think it's just about having... Um, I suppose a culture in the place that ideas can come from anywhere. It's a lot of brainstorming that goes on. There's a lot of openness. And again, the idea of conversations. People are key. We go back to as many conversations. We try and work together as much as we can. The pandemic has been different because people are working from home more. But when we're pitching for stuff and business or when we're working on client briefs and trying to find solutions that for problems that keep our clients up at night, we come together and we brainstorm. And that's how you keep the creativity alive. And the other thing that's entered my head there is this thinking there, like back in the, you know, again, look, going back to original media or as we knew it, it used to be always you think, oh, it's centred in London or centred in New York. You think of these places as the as the hubs of, 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 of ad worlds and creativity. And you realise, actually, you know, Dublin is kind of like that for the digital future when you think of Google, Facebook, all these different, TikTok are here, for example. You know, in a way, if you thought about it, it's happening here. Uh, maybe it may be happening in a lot of offices here, but it's happening here as opposed to that kind of world. Do you, do you find that, that spills over in terms of how the agencies here might interact with those big brands? Is is, is or is or is it still kind of kept apart because these are big, big giant companies? Do you, do you find that maybe Dublin is in the perfect storm for the future of advertising? I think it is. I really do, and I think IAPI, which is you know the body for advertising agencies, it's growing more and more members. Um, I think they've launched really good work. It's um, a campaign that's called Where Creative is Native. Mm -hmm. And we are a real creative country. I mean, if you look at music, if you look at poetry, if you look at writing, Irish people naturally are very creative. I really think we are. And there's so many creative people in so many areas of the of the agency. And I, you know, you mentioned that actually earlier in something you said about people. You can be, everybody actually is a creative element to them. I really believe that. And it may be with you creative with your time or it's creative with words or it's creative with music or it's creative the way you dress or you look. So I think Ireland has that in abundance. Um, I think there's amazing work been done in Irish agencies and I'm talking like general agencies. But if you look recently, there are independent agencies in Dublin winning FEs, which are effectiveness awards, winning Canline awards, which is, you know, those two would be the kind of the highest accolades that you could get within our industry. And Irish yeah. agencies are punching above their weight doing really well which is great to see. So I think that you're right, there's all those tech companies and I think a lot of them are tendering for business. There's a lot of agencies getting that work. I think there's an opportunity for more growth. I think that Holland and, sorry, yeah, I think Holland would be as well as the UK, um, obviously in the States, would be very much front of um, the four for creative agencies. But I think Ireland, absolutely. 
What are your own plans for the future with Connolly Partners in Dublin in terms of like you mentioned earlier, you've got Zoo Digital, uh, you've got a great transatlantic creative ecosystem going on. Because another thing as well, you think about it, like because America has such a larger, I suppose you could argue homogenous in some ways society, but it's usually where a lot of these innovations begin when you think about just ways of reaching people and in other ways, maybe not. Uh, maybe we have an edge. But what, what are your own plans for the future of, of Connolly Partners in Dublin and how you know, uh, you guys can push the envelope in terms of creativity, uh, capability, and, and just where advertising is heading next. It's all about growth for us. We're in a growth phase. It is very ambitious growth plans for the next two to three years. I never look, try to look too much further than that because who knows the world changes so quickly. And I think that you know the agency's models were based on ours. We need to shift that to be more about value. I often say this, you know, when you when you work on a project and you have creatives that are over 20 years in, in the industry have produced incredible work that has had a massive effect on the commercial bottom line of a company. And then when you're trying to scope a piece of work and you're going to the hourly rate and you're thinking, hold on, this isn't an hourly rate. You're not paying for the hour's work. You're paying for the 20 years of experience this person has that's going to drive. So I think that we need to move on all, in, all I think, agencies have this issue about you know, so much on ours. We need to get more value-based. So our, our work is based on the value that we bring to your commercial bottom line. And I think that is something that is happening more and more is that the role of advertising is getting discussed as part of the PNL. Like there is a value to what we do. And I think that, you know, the term return on investment is huge. We would have clients where we would bring this back quite often to them and say, hold on, we have an ROI of 11 to 1. So for every one euro you spent in advertising, you generated 11 euros worth of business. So I think that that for me is something we need to, I want to watch that and make sure that we are bringing and increasing those return on investment for clients so that we can always stand. Yes, we are a creative industry, but that we can actually commercially stand our ground within a boardroom and say, this is what we're bringing to your table. We're not just bringing a nice ad. This is what we're doing. You know, it has a massive impact. So growth is a big thing for us. We want to grow the agency. We want to grow the team. We want to grow... I suppose, be relevant to where the market is going um, and never losing focus that we are a human centric agency and we are about humans. And what do where do we need to be communicating with people and wherever that is and wherever that moves to, we're going to be there. I can ask you uh, a, finally a, a personal question from the point of view of earlier on, you discussed um, the various careers uh, you've been on in terms of uh, you strike me as some. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. But 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 like you 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 strike me as someone who kind of follows your instinct or your gut, or you 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 know you're not afraid to try new things, and you know you've made a very successful career out of doing different things, and, and there are different chapters to your career. Obviously, the the entrepreneur with 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 the um the, the salons or the yeah, and then and then of course working in 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 from the ground up in media. Then now you're at the you know kind of top of advertising game. You know what would be your advice to people who who kind of like sometimes maybe just you know gets get stuck into a career or they they've, they've done the same thing for the last twenty years and they don't see themselves doing anything else for the next twenty years of their careers. Uh, you know, is there is there a fear factor that needs to be overcome or is it the case of just following your heart? What 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 has been your 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 uh, way of doing things that that has allowed you to enjoy such a varied career? Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I think one is I probably have a boredom threshold, which is not good. Um, <laughs> so I I need to keep moving and learn, and I love learning. You know, it's one of the, the core values of the agency is curiosity, you know, curiosity, um, empathy, ambition. But curiosity, I am really curious. I'm always asking, but why is that? Why? why? Why is that? And we do that in here all the time with work. We'd say, you know, all this data that's there. And 
you know what data tells you what is happening, but it doesn't tell you why. So I think I'm naturally curious what this career kind of suits me because no two days are ever the same. So yeah. that's one thing. I think that um, the various jobs I did, what I didn't realize at the time was that each job was teaching me something. And you learn something and then it's only when it all comes together. And, oh, that was kind of interesting. This was clearly was a path for me. But I don't think I didn't have fear. I was never afraid. I have very, I mean, I used to say to my dad, I'm not sure is it ignorance or arrogance or total naivety. Like when I opened my own business, like I, I left my job in RTE, which was a permanent pensionable job with two small kids and went into because I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity. It's something and I'd love to do it. And I get really stuck into something when I start. It's like it becomes an obsession with me. Um, but I think that there is a little bit of fear because I think financially people aren't as, as you know, you, you, some people just need to have that security. I think the difference nowadays for anybody is that it's okay on your CV to have 10 different roles and jobs. And if you can weave that story to say, you know what, I, yes, I worked in beauty, but you know, that taught me I had my own business. It was all about customers. It was all about knowing, understanding. You really understand your bottom line very quickly when you have your own business. It's not, you know, I used to always think, oh, I had a great, I had a great week. I took in and then I'm forgetting, hold on, everything that went out or, you know, so understanding people, when you manage people, you understand people very well. So you learn a lot doing that. I think that, um, I think you should always go for it. I think nowadays there is possibly an opportunity to dip your toe in things a lot more than there was years ago. So I know a lot of people working in advertising, right, who will be doing something on the side. They might be a yoga teacher or they might have an artisan, you know, food business that started or they might be like you've had people on your show who had a day job and then by night was it power cut that brilliant brand the yeah. the at pleasure brand yeah, so i think people are there's more opportunities now through you know through the platforms that we have so if i were to start something in the morning i could get a website done really quickly and i that could be a window to my brand but i also could be an e-commerce site like with shopify so i think nowadays there's amazing ways to get your business out there that wasn't there 20 years ago like you know what i mean unless it's a service you don't need a shop front you can actually sell and that's it. And I think now through again, I think a lot of these young guys are phenomenal on social. But they could, as you said, look at that earlier, TikTok. So I guarantee you, we could probably find a 20-year-old here in the morning that we'd be able to go to them and say, this is the idea, how would you go about it? And quite organically and naturally, they would say, oh, I'm going to get a website and then I'm going to do a TikTok video and then I'm going to do this, that. And they'd be able to do it. So I, I just think it, it's really good. I think that um, it's good to be brave. You've only one life. I mean, and what's the worst thing that can happen? I think possibly for me that I, I'm not afraid of failing. I probably have no shame. <laughs> That's probably it, actually. I have no shame. And what's the worst <laughs> thing? Because you, you, you grow each time you try something new. And I think everybody, everybody suffers from this imposter syndrome. I often sit in a room and I go, oh, my gosh, they are all way brighter than me. They all know way more than me. And then someone's saying, is there a question? And I'm going, okay, I want to ask, but it's way too obvious. I'm not going to ask it. And then somebody will ask the question. Some will go, Oh, my God, that's really important. Yes, why didn't we? So I think that once you get over, the thing is not everybody knows everything. And what's the worst thing you can do? You learn something about yourself and we all have skill sets. And the thing is, we we just don't know it. And I remember actually it just reminds me of this. It was I think it was Bono was been interviewed by Jerry Ryan years ago and he was speaking about his father. And it was something his dad, I think, was a postman. I could get this totally wrong. I hope, hope I'm not. But it was something along the lines that really stuck with me. It was that he felt his dad had so much potential that he never explored or reached. And that was sad. And I remember thinking, gosh, I often look at people and think, I see way more in you than you see in yourself. 
You know, and I think that's the thing is that people, we just underestimate ourselves all the time. And then when you're going to go, why not go for it? One of the lines that runs through my head half the time is like, if you never ask the question, the answer will always be no. So it's... With a lot of things, you just have to overcome that fear or reticence and, and just, just just see what happens. And I've been very lucky over the years with, with mentors that I've had. When I worked in Baker McKenzie's, that was a law firm in Paris when I was only 20, 20 I think I was. I mean, I got that job. I, went, I would, was um, doing my course in Limerick. I went over to France on my Easter holidays. I went in for an interview and I thought my French was okay because I'd au paired for a year in Paris, but I came back home and I remember saying to my parents, I think I'm working in this um, law firm. I think it might be a PA. I think I might be earning. I don't understand half of it. But anyway, I literally did my last exams and I hopped on a flight with a friend and we went to work in Paris, live in Paris. And Christine Lagarde, who's now heading up the IMF, she was a partner in the firm and she was headed up from a side of things, the social committee. And I was on the social committee. And uh, Christine was really very respectful. She had huge admiration for Irish people. She loved the way we worked. She always had her right-hand woman was always an Irish person. Um, And I remember thinking, gosh, she is really good at what she does. She's very young to be a partner in the law firm, but she was so kind. She was so respectful. She just had a great way. I remember thinking, if I ever make it, as I grow my career, I'm going to always remember that humility and that kindness and niceness. And then when I worked in fashion for a while, I worked with Kate Gleason, she was amazing at customer service. I'd never seen that level of customer service. And I learned that. Then I worked in RTE, you know, and then I worked in the examiner. So everywhere I went, I noticed people and I was lucky that they mentored me because I had, and I would say that to anybody listening that is young, I never had any shame in saying, can I sit in this meeting? I knew, I have no idea about this. Can I just, and people are always happy to mentor you. And the other thing I would say, John, that's really important is always ask people for coffee. I, we have built so much business on the power of a coffee. My boss in, uh, Steve in Boston is always saying to me, you should, you should write about this more and talk about it more in interviews because if I asked you for coffee in the morning, it's half an hour of your day and I'm going, I would love to pick your brain. I would love to, how have you done what you've done? I would love, can you point me in a direction? People never mind. People always like to help people, but it's amazing what you'll get out of that conversation. You will always learn something. And it might even be a connection to your next cup of coffee. And sometimes it takes six cups of coffee (laughs) to actually get someone to say, I know somebody who's pitching for business and I'm going to introduce you. (laughs) Well, with that, Vani, thank you so much for your time. That was great. And we, we covered a lot of ground there. So thanks so much. And we'll have you back again. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Tune in for the next podcast where we talk to Conor Carmody of the Innovation Exchange about his mission to help Irish tech SMEs to scale up.